right, welcome back to another episode of Top Bins with Twins. This is Paul and Luke here. And we're going to do a little bit of a different episode here. We're going to focus on the USMNT and then do a brief little wrap-up on FPL at the end. And we have a lot of content to cover, so this is going to be... We do. We're going to try to get through it nice and fast, be concise, and hopefully get you all the information you need. Yeah, I mean... There's, I think this is probably going to be one of our most debated podcasts between the two of us. It could be, yeah. I, I mean, we'll I see. just think I think we we'll both have. We, um, we talk about the USMNT all the time, and so doing this in a podcast form, I think we're both very prepared, and we have some ideas, and we're going to do most of our typical segments, and we're going to see where this one goes, and it's going to be fun. Yeah. Shall we get started? Yeah, let's get into it. Okay. So first match, the international window. We have the U.S. of A. beating Granada 7-1. to um, Just for perspective, the United States is an overall FIFA rank of number 13, and Granada mm-hmm. is... Paul, do you want to guess what they are? Do you know already? Um, 241. They are 173 in the world. Oh, yeah. So, no um, you know, maybe not equal competition, but U.S. ended up getting a 7-1 win here. Uh, putting in, I would say, a good performance being that it was away... Um, all these matches in Gold Cup, CONCACAF, whatever they may be, anytime you're going to be in a wayside, mm-hmm. you're going to be a little bit nervous going into that match. You just don't know what to expect. Yeah, you, you don't know. know the pitch. You don't know the referees. You don't know a lot of you stuff. You also just don't know if we're going to show up sometimes. That's that's also up in the air. So it was really nice to see us get an early goal, um, get that first one in. The first one was um, Pulisic to Weston, right? I believe that was the first one. Yeah, it was the cross where you kind of just cut it back. He got the ball played to him. Um, false. That was not correct. So the first one was Pepe. It was Pepe. Yeah, it was Pepe. It was, it was so where Pulisic, Pulisic cuts it back on his right foot. And then you get um, Pulisic with another assist on the second goal to Aronson. And we're not going to go through all their run of goals because that was seven, and that's yeah. a lot to go through. But I think I was I was impressed with this performance. We came out, we played, and we showed the team that we are. Right. I think we came out there. And really made a statement from this match. Yeah, the the part to me that I liked about most about this game is is that's the kind of performance we have to constantly have against teams like Granada. There there can't be letdowns. There can't be. It should be four plus goal wins against teams like that that just shouldn't be on the same pitch as us. And that's the damn shame about playing in Concacaf is is that there's a lot of these matchups and. It's hard to really tell. I know I had a lot of questions after the match about things we saw that were implemented in lineup decisions or formations or where players were playing. And it's really hard to bring judgments away from those because it's kind of skewed because it's Granada and they're obviously not a top-tier team. Yeah, and I feel like in this match the pitch was very open where there was lots of space where oh, players yeah. were rotating, making runs in positions they normally, I mean, they do sometimes find themselves in, mm-hmm. but don't always, right? So um, there, there's definitely some high points to be taken from this match. But, you know, simply from a fan's perspective, it was a fun match to watch where we don't have to feel pressure or be worried about an end result, you know, because yeah. it was pretty much over in the fifth minute when Pepe scored. Yeah, as soon as they give the first goal, it's over. But I think, um, do you kind of want to dive into tactic stuff right now, Luke? Are you okay yeah, with that? do you want to lead the way on that one? Yeah, for this one, I think um, one of the big questions I'm taking out of this game is about the Granada game, just as an individual game, is the USMNT the best version of themselves with Joe Scally at left back? What do you think, Luke? And so you're questioning I have, I have my answer. Is our best left back. I, I'm not saying best. I'm saying is that does that make the U.S. the best version of themselves? It's interesting, right? Because I think that with Anthony Robinson, he has a relationship with Tim Ream, who might not be there long term. And then you have Pulisic playing on the left, but this time Aronson played on the left. Frankly, um, I, uh, think, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of interchanges. I said, but Aronson did start out on the left wing. He started on the left wing, right. but like exactly if, throughout but, the matches, it was Pulisic constantly so cooking on the that left. Relationship between Pulisic and Robinson is really important, and I think what Scally offers is someone who's going to be defensively really strong and not get forward quite as much. Well, 
so as, as um, Robinson is. So it gives almost gives Pulisic more lead way to get forward. Yeah, I I agree with that, but I think like the problem I think with Jedi as an as it always has been is that defensively he's strong. He makes really good forward runs into the box, and he has decent delivery into the box from when he makes those forward runs. But the big thing about him is that he's not that tactical on the ball. Yes, he's he's quick. He can move move around people a little bit, but he's not super skilled. He's really not. From, from a tactical level, he's not super high level of a skill. And with Scally, like, you just saw that like his ability to play balls to Pulisic right at his feet so he could go and just go right away, which... Is where I struggle with like is that just Granada not being a, being a not a great team, or is that because plus got so much space because Scally was there on the left and he had somebody to interchange with that's a skilled ball player you know all all very good points there I think my ultimate take on this debate here is as of now I think Anthony Robinson is our locked on left back. In the summer or in the next year, we'll probably see him moving to a top six club, if I had to guess. He's played really been well for Fulham, putting good performances, and he's defensively oh. really solid. Well, like maybe Fulham is a top six club. Perhaps, right? Yeah. But I, I think he'll yeah. be making a move to one of the more traditional top six clubs. With possibly. That being said, possibly. That being said, I think that 2026, it's very possible that Scali is our starting left back. Yeah, I mean, I... It, it's a big possibility. And just, also, just a fun, honestly, a fun thing to kind of talk about because I think either way, the USMNT is still a great team, right? And like I, I think it's a it's a win win situation because both have different strengths, and that competition is good, right? If you look at Pep Guardiola's teams, he is always pushing to have that competition for positions. Mm-hmm. I don't love necessarily how he kind of pushes players against each other, and really creates an atmosphere of. You have to be scoring goals to play. That that can kind of take players out of the rhythm. But ultimately, competition for spots is going to make players better. Yeah. And that's Agreed. what we want to see. Yeah. I th- another thing, too, that I want to bring up. Actually, let's let's round up the um, the El Salvador game. Then we can kind of dive more into like tactics. Are you okay with that? Round up. Round up the Granada game or El Salvador? El game? Salvador. I think we should. So you want to move to El Salvador? We can, we can do that and then kind of discuss like broadly, like a lot of stuff. Okay. Let's okay so moving to El Salvador in the U.S. Um, the U.S. ended up winning 1-0. It was a pretty kind of cagey match. We had both sides. Yeah, it kind of sucked to watch, honestly. possession, kind of fast-paced at times, but slow. It wasn't really end-to-end. Uh-huh. It just felt like everything was kind of stuck in the midfield. But, I mean, that's how El Salvador has been setting up, so it should kind of be expected at this point from them. Um, I mean, they have a good so coach, Hugo Perez, they former, do, former right. USMNT national. They do. Uh, I think some performances that I want to highlight, uh, for example, I think Gio Reyna played excellent. Probably our best He was best a lot of fun, moments. best attacker. I, I In moments. I would agree. Um, Pulisic looked good. I also um, failed to see this, but I heard that Taylor Booth played really well when he came on. He did. He did. I have, I have a take for you on that, too. Good but. to see him You know, get those minutes in the U.S. jersey, build some momentum, and then I think we also have to shout out Ricardo Pepe. Yeah. Getting two El goals train. in two games. Well, that, wait, was that three goals in two games? Yeah, it was three goals because he got two. Three goals in two games, yeah. yeah he, he got, got, this, two he got in, the six um, Granada. against Granada. So three goals in two games, that should be a great moment for him. Yeah, good for Ricardo. No no Greg around to keep him out of the squad, and he performs well. It was nice to see that. Um, but, Paul, did you have any other performers that really stood out to you? Um, I thought, I, like, you, you missed this because you had to go take your dog for a walk. But um, Little West. <laughs> the Westicle. But, um, so probably whenever, um, whenever Taylor Booth subbed on on the right side, it just did something to unlock. Like Dest looks so much better with Booth on the right. That partnership looks looks like something where maybe Taylor Booth, if he continues his run of form, which he's been in great form in, um, well, he he was injured for a while. Yeah, and his he, over his think, over his whole year, his whole he, season. As far as I'm aware, I don't think he played for his club team before the national break. So he should use this build back into his club team yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. go go tear it up in the Eredivisie. 
Yeah, but the um, the idea here is that I mean, if that seems like a good partnership there on the right. So if, I think a booth if he can finish out this year strong, kind of see where he goes in the summer. He I've heard rumors of a move for him. If he can lock down a starting spot for a big team in a top five league, I think we could see him start to creep up and maybe push for that right wing starting spot. You know what side I would love to see him in? Leipzig in the Bundesliga. That would be, that's, that's, that's a good you one. Know, they're, they're losing yeah, in Kuku like on his way to Chelsea. I think he fits that mold of progressive ball player who can, you know, advance through the pass or the dribble yeah. and really grow into a system that would prime him for an excellent move after that. Yeah, I think um, and just another little roundup from the El Salvador game. I thought that Miles Robinson looked great. He did. He did. He showed this pace multiple times in his ball playing ability, which are phenomenal and just reminded us exactly who he is as a player. Yeah, we were talking during the game, and I think we both kind of agreed that he's an optimal version of Walker Zimmerman. And seeing him with the like his pace, like there was one one um, section of the game where we lost. I think it was on a corner. We kind of lost the ball, and Robinson was up. And there was a El Salvador player running with a ball, and he looks back and sees Robinson over his shoulder. And Robinson was so quick that the player looked away, and he just swooped in front of him and drew a foul. I think it was outside, like maybe like probably like twenty five yards, thirty, 30 yards, yards out. Is what I would guess. But I mean, do that pace, like he's he's twenty six years old. I think his contract's about to run out with Atlanta in the winter. So hopefully, we can see him go to a big club somewhere. I would frankly love or top five, top five, top five league. To see a Copa America lineup, um, Ooh, let's, let's not do that. Let's not do our lineups yet. Tim Ream and Miles Robinson. Oh. That would be a great center back pairing. Okay, but let's let's move forward. Um, so I think that'll probably wrap on these two matches. Well, at least the in depth analysis of the matches will probably move to an overview, um, and then kind of do a red Here's arrow or green arrow for if this was a beneficial window for, for the, the USMNT, USMNT in general. So we'll be back and see you on the other side of the break. See ya. Welcome back, everyone. Here we are to one of our favorite segments, Red Arrow or Green Arrow. Yeah. As the crowd goes wild. Woo. But this time we're going to do it a little bit differently and look at it from a perspective of was this international window successful for the USMNT? And I'm just going to go right out there. I'm going to say I think it was a success. So Green Arrow? Green Arrow for the USMNT over the break. I have a few main reasons why I think that. One, I think that progress was made with Balogun. Um, I think that... I think we should explain explain who Balogun is for listeners that In case you all don't know, Balogun is an English international. England... U.S. Right. Nigerian. He, his nationality is either, you said Nigerian? He has three nationalities. He either Nigerian, mention. United States, or England. He, he's he been playing with the English squads growing up through the U18s, 19s, 20s. Um, and he is currently a player at Arsenal, but on loan um, in League Un, where he is, he scored 17 goals, I believe. 17. Yep, you got it. Right. Um, playing really well, putting in amazing performances. Just for a while, he was beating Mbappe for the Golden Boot in League Un, but I think yeah. he's been surpassed as of late. Yes. But playing really well. And um, the U.S. is currently trying to recruit him to join the squad. So, um, Paul, do you want to explain this part? I think you might know the details yeah. a little bit. So, um, Florian, I think that's how we say his first name. I'll figure it out if I'm not saying it right, but he was supposed to be called into U21 camp for England. And so there was, it's gone through a lot of phases. And I think me and Luke have mostly experienced this through USMNT Twitter, which is a crazy place. Fucking love it, it by the way. It's chaos. awesome. It's awesome. And so we saw this news that he was on the roster when it came out. And everybody's like, gloom and doom. It's over. He's in England. He's done. And then. You see an Instagram story of him posting something about... Oh, no. First, he withdrew from an injury. No, 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 no. I think it was the other way around. No, no, no. He he had withdrawn already. Okay, whatever. No, no, no. no. I I think we're thinking of different things. Like, Listen to what I'm going to say. So he posts an Instagram story of 
just like a black screen with saying with the quotes along the line something of go where you're appreciated okay fair so, yeah, yeah. You're, so you're we right saw that and u.s fans were like hmm that's interesting like he didn't get called up to the full england squad u21s maybe he was upset that's interesting something going on there possibly and then he withdraws from u21 england for a quote-unquote injury and so we're like, oh, this is great. Like, maybe he's coming to Orlando. Who knows? I saw people tracking flights to Orlando from France. Like, it was like, there's a possibility. Oh, Let's my God. Let's not say it's the crazy Americans, because we know all you English people out there yeah. are tracking Just any transfer rumor. Soccer flight. slash it's, football fans, it's, whatever it is. It's a general consensus thing to do. Let's Yeah. And so people were tracking flights, didn't really hear anything going. I think it was like a Friday night going into it. And USMNT's in camp, and then we get an Instagram post, I think it was late Saturday night, something along the lines, where Florian posted a video, or just a picture, of him sitting in a, like it was like a black SUV, sitting outside it with one of his friends, and then you see in the background, there's this little logo, and it's called Pups Pubs, and some some but some genius on USMNT Twitter USMNT Twitter, don't know who it was, whoever you are, shout out to you, Googles it and figures out that this is a pub in Orlando, and then Twitter just explodes. It did, and then the story continued to um, evolve from there. Yeah. he. It's come out that there have been some connections between him and the the squad, Yeah, um, interacting with some, I'm, I'm not sure about players, but he's definitely interacted with first team coaches, um, had some conversations, and I would imagine some beneficial conversations were had to where he was shown that this would be the best situation for you where you can come play here and be a star and, yeah. you know, be a part of this the 2026 push and even, even Copa America too. Oh, there's, I mean, there's, there's big games out there for him to search for. And to me, the biggest thing, like to see him, the ability he has on the ball and his speed and tenacity with our attackers, like our wingers, and then being able to like being able to fill the front four of Pulisic on the left, Gio Reyna in the middle, Florian up top with maybe Weya Aronson, Weya Booth, Aronson whoever. Booth, whoever whoever we can think of, like that's that's a really good it, lineup. And it blows my mind. A little I think bit. another point we need to make before we kind of wrap on this is that. Looking at the England squad, mm-hmm. I do not see a pathway for him making it in. Neither do I. At least for the next two to three years, right? You've got Saka locked on in the right wing. You've got Kane, who's probably going to be there another two to three. Probably, I could see him playing till the next World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. And if he's playing, he's going to be locked on starting. you got Rashford, who's in amazing form. Foden. I mean, all of these Grealish. Sound, Grealish. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. Holly Watkins he's competing with. And frankly, if he chooses the U.S., he's probably starting. I mean, he's locked into our squad. We can have a conversation. We can we can have a good little debate about this, actually. We can. But I, I think that we may be like we're beating a dead horse at this point. Yeah. Um, I think red arrow, green arrow. One more takeaway that I want to highlight from this window mm-hmm. is it's really great to see Gio Reyna come in. Everything coming out from players and coaches has been very positive it seems like the team is getting along well with him and let's be honest he put in a really good performance when we played um against el salvador yeah he probably should have scored a goal you know that shot that hit the post he hit it really well he had Um, another one too earlier in the first half yeah it it tested the keeper i don't think it was ever really um going in but right so it's great to see that from him um and i really think that this is something that he can build from continue to kind of repair those relationships that might have been damaged and you know build that and build his use his talent in a way that benefits the team and you know yeah. I mean, he, he could possibly be our most talented player ever so yeah it's possible it's possible i want to see that talent go to waste all right luke so i have i'm going to break this into two segments a little bit two red arrows or green arrows for you so there's going to be one one and one there's gonna be one green arrow one red arrow so the green arrow is for our players, the player pool we have. I thought everybody in this window performed exceptionally. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Like yeah. besides, I think in the El Salvador game, there was 
something was off in the first half. Like we just weren't moving fast enough. The ball wasn't moving. I think a little bit of fatigue, a little bit of... And you had to think there was a lot of rotation in that squad There was well. rotation, and you come off a Granada game where it's really easy, and then you're playing at home, you have to travel. I don't know. It, it Something was off in that match. In the first half, it kind of got better in the second half. Yeah. Agreed, yeah. But I thought every like as a collective, the team performed very well. I mean, you get a result, you get a win. A win in a game that um, has serious consequences from a CONCACAF perspective. So overall, a win for the players. Um, for U.S. soccer in general, like from the Federation perspective, a massive red arrow. Explain. The the ability of you, like, we don't have, a, we have an interim coach. Right. This is, this is one of the biggest four, this is probably the biggest stretch of four years in U.S. soccer leading up to the 2026 World Cup. Every, I don't care if people say, every game we have, even... This game on April 19th against Mexico, it matters. Like every game leading up to this World Cup in 2026 that's going to be on U.S. soil, every second has to be for a reason. And with an interim coach who may or may not stay around, who knows what's going to happen, Berhalter could be back. To me, it's such a waste of time and resources to have, to not have the person that's going to lead us out in 2026 at the helm. And also, like I think it's what are we missing a sporting director too, like we have to we be are, yeah. at a united front to to have the best U.S. World Cup ever. I mean, to have our highest, we want to have our highest possible finish, whether it's getting the semifinals, winning in the quarters, doing whatever we have to do, and this especially with our player pool too. I mean, this is the most talented U.S. team ever, and I don't think anybody like I'm not saying best. I'm not saying. The most talented team, there's no argument that this is the most talented team ever. Agreed. And to address your point you're making right now about the U.S. Federation, I think this is not negligence. I think it's intentional negligence to make people think that they're, they don't know what decision to make. When in all reality, a decision has probably already been made. And that decision is going to be to keep Greg Berhalter as the manager. Yeah, they're probably just waiting, biding their time I to think let it roll over. You know, all they, the released, recent stuff. they released the Rainer report, which was damning for them and really kind of tarnished Claudio Reyna's reputation, even uh, more so than it absolutely. already had been. And his wife as well. I mean, I think everyone came out of that looking bad except for Greg Berhalter who completely went along with investigation, answered mm-hmm. every question readily, was a, you know, I mean, pretty much ideal witness when they were interviewing him and his yeah. wife as well. So that's a big green arrow in his favor. And I don't like it. I wish we'd go somewhere else, but I think Greg's going to be our coach. Yeah. I I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, it, it bothers me because, like, we were talking about this other day at brunch because this is all me and Luke talk about. But I, I would give Burhalter's overall tenure a B minus because if you look in the whole picture of everything, he won big games. He had he brought in, recruited dual nationals that made our team the most talented team ever. And he put he I think he gave people like our players. He gave them chances to be successful, maybe not all the time, maybe not in the right circumstances, some would argue. But I don't think it was a terrible tenure as a national team coach, which I think is a very difficult job. I think that he restricted the growth of talent through selections for starting 11s. Yeah, I mean, the MLS also selections for the World Cup in general. Yeah. Right? I think, and also... You saw against the Netherlands, he was outcoached by a world-class this is, manager. This is a very valid point. Proving the fact that I will always, at least for now, believe that he is not a world-class manager. I think I, he's an yeah. amazing manager. He does the things that he does really well, like player management, um, developing chemistry in the squad. But I don't think tactically mm-hmm. he's going to push them into that next tier to make them the best right yeah i mean i i totally agree with you guy all those are valid points but we'll just we'll i mean 
we'll have to see going forward. I think we kind of, as you said, we kind of know where this is going for the for Burhalter coming back, but we'll see. I also have another point for um, the U.S. Federation that I want to bring up: the absolute audacity and bullshit to not sell out stadiums. Like I understand the desire to want to draw revenue, to have your organization be as po- as make as much money as possible. Like that, it's a business, understandable. But the whole point of this, and the best way I think really to recruit dual nationals is to put the most fans in the stands to create the best atmosphere we can at home. And that's just not a thing. It's really not. If you look at crowds, we've we both been to a lot of USMNT games. It's dominated by other fans whenever you go to games on U.S. soil. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that, for example, sell the tickets for $10 if you have to, right? And make sure you're getting people into the matches. That's ultimately what matters, right? Like the the decision to price people out like forty dollars per ticket when you're not selling out. Yeah, I mean the I I saw um there was a chart that I link link that got leaked that they put out the US USF USSF where they talked about their revenue per year. And yes, there I think it was like like it was like per each cycle how much they made in revenue from like World Cup qualifying games and stuff like that. And I think they made like seven million dollars or something or don't quote me on that, but it was it was a substantial increase from the last I think what would it be, twenty sixteen. Last time we tried to qualify like the twenty sixteen to twenty twenty range. But for for me, I'm like the whole point of this game is to create the best spectacle, the best atmosphere for our players to play in because like like we keep talking about, we're recruiting dual nationals. We're trying to build the best team possible. And how is it the best? Like Polisic has said it before. We don't sell at stands. We don't have full stadiums because the ticket prices are one thing. How people consume games is another. I think the biggest thing is ticket pricing. The ticket pricing. Right. That's, that's there, our main There point, are yeah. more than enough fans in the United States to sell out a stadium when they're playing in the U.S., what, maybe once or twice in the span of three months. Mm-hmm. The, the base is there. They should be able to sell tickets for that. They just and have to lower expectations and lower the ticket prices to make sure people are coming to the matches. And another thing about that, too, is accessibility. Like, a $40 ticket, like, if you drop that even to, like, 20 and that this doesn't even, what we were talking about doesn't factor in, like, if I buy a ticket on Ticketmaster, we know that's going to, if I pay $40, I'm not paying 40 I'm paying right. a lot more. Right. And I think the best example of this, Paul and I were debating on going to the match on Monday night against El Salvador in Orlando. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit of a drive, so that's a variable. But knowing that we have to pay the ticket prices to get in was a determining factor in us going or not. Right. And I think if tickets would have been $20 as opposed to 40 that makes a big difference for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Plus inflation. So, I mean, for sure. Come on. For sure. So I, I think that should probably wrap us on this segment. Um, do you have anything else, Paul? Yeah. Also, we're not economists, so I don't understand the full supply. I and thought demand you were an expert sales. of ta- technical analysis. I mean, that that's different. Like I said, um, economics, that's different than okay. market yeah, research. That's, that's trading, I guess. So. Yeah. But we'll, um, we'll wrap this one, and we'll be back here in a second with uh, another little segment for you. Yep. Sounds good. All right, guys. We're back. It's time for buy and sell. Let's do it. You ready for this, Luke? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, so we're looking at our charts right now, and we're seeing one of the most exciting signatures here for a bull market. Yes, we're we seeing a co- cup and handle formation. Don't know what that is, but it sounds good. It's so it's what we're seeing is we're seeing a little dip down, and we're seeing a little dip up, and we're about to rip. We're about to head to the moon with these, Luke. All right. Are you ready? Tell us why we're about to. All right, number one. My biggest buy right now, Joe Scally. Okay, that's a good pick. Tell me why you picked him. Yeah, so if watching his performance against um, against Granada, which, as we said earlier, there's a little caveat here. It is Granada, and we know the ranking of where they are to the U.S. He looked in control, and I think one of the biggest things about him has been is, is we know that he has an innate, really good ability on the ball, an ability to play the ball to people with his feet. And one of the big things has been, is he defensively sound and can he get consistent minutes in his club team? And he's checked all those boxes so far this year. 
He's I think he's started twenty one of twenty five Bundesliga matches for Mujaglabak, mm-hmm. who yeah. is I think where I, I think they're sitting like top top seven eight in the table. And keep going, and I'll come back to it for you. But just watching Scali play, like like I've talked, we talked about earlier with him and Pulisic, that seems like a partnership that could be something that we really want to explore in the future of this national team. And that's not discounting like we talked about with Anthony Robinson at all. It's just it offers something different. And I think we could see Scally. He has the – this is a little bit tying into something coming on later on. But he could possibly start for us at left back or right back in the future. Yeah. His versatility is one of his biggest mm-hmm. assets. Yeah. The versatility there and him getting consistent club minutes, Let's. I'd, I'd – I'd love to. I'd love to see where he goes the Me next too. couple I think years. He's he's had a lot of interest from some other Bundesliga sides, mm-hmm. but you're looking at like top tier teams at that point. Yeah. Um, but you also see some Premier League interest. Yeah, I think Fulham. Yeah. So the report came out today, which we always know how that goes, but it's good for him. Those rumors usually mean that there's if there's smoke, there's usually some kind of fire. You know, whether that's a deep down or not, you never know. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think we're going to pivot into my player to watch. And the player that I picked is Serginho Dest. What? Right. Oh, we're going to argue about this. Here's here's what I'm trying to say. Right. I think that his performance, even against El Salvador, was not ideal. I think that he he was bad. he, He played good, but he did not stand out. Or did not seem like an excellent performance to build off of, going back to Milan. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say here is, I think that it looks like a Milan's not going to buy him from Barca. Correct. B Barca's looking to sell him once yep. he gets back to Barcelona. It looks like he could possibly be going to some English Premier League teams with Wolves, Palace, and West Ham all expressing interest. And then La Liga, Bundesliga, and Ligue 1 um, interests. Which which one do you think is the best fit for him? I, I think an EPL fit today. is, right? I see Palace or West Ham. The reason I think Palace is he would be able to play with another baby eagle in Chris Richards. I wholeheartedly disagree. I would like to see that, frankly. Um, and then I the, probably the best Premier League fit, purely on team structure, not on other players there, is going to be West Ham. I would like to see him there. I think West Ham. It's not bad. As long as they don't get relegated. I mean, God, it, it looks like they're one of the prime candidates this season. But I, I would love to see him make a move, go to a club where he can play 90 minutes week in, week out, mm-hmm. and just start to build back again, right? Barca, he had opportunities. And he just kind of disappeared off the radar for whatever reason. AC Milan just has not been good for him. Just no. did not fit at all, right? Which is kind of which is surprising to me, really. Yeah, me too. But his profile seems to match well with the club. Like he plays with a little flair. Serie A seems to be a good league, but it just hasn't worked out. I just sometimes it doesn't work. It could be maybe living in Italy doesn't suit him. He doesn't like the. Si- There's a lot of variables here that yeah. could be at play. But I still think he has the talent. That's why I want to see him get game minutes and do it in a level that, you know, is a good spot for him. So back over to you, Paul. Who's your second buy? Um, Number two for me right now is Luca De La Torre. Oh, I like that. I like that. I didn't even, I mean, I knew the people Mm -hmm. I was going to pick, so I didn't really dive in too much. But why did you pick him? I've been a fan for a long time of Luca De La Torre. Like seeing his, like, I think he offers something as a midfielder for us that we just don't have anywhere else, anybody on this current roster shape his his ability to be in the midfield and move use quick little motions the way he plays balls his skill in the midfield like i just don't think that's that his profile is something we do not have and i think maybe it's something that we need in our starting 11 consistently yeah i agree i i could see that i think that Things are going to have to go the right way for him to get a locked-on position. They currently are, though. I mean, if if you look at it, he is probably in the most solid position of any of our midfielders. He's he's starting to lock down a spot for Celta Viago. And, I mean, if you look at Musa's stock, his stock's decreasing. And also in that last game against El Salvador, Musa was basically non-existent. 
just because El, El Salvador was so compact in the middle that what Moose, we all love Moose. He know we know what he wants to do. He just wants to drive through people's midfield. Right, exactly. Use these quick little motions, get past people, and space. just drive, drive, drive. Which I mean, he's one of our most promising young talents. So this is honestly a crazy conversation to have. But maybe Luca Delatorre offers something to this team that it needs more so than what Moose offers. There's something to be said for that. I think it ends up ultimately all of what we're saying right now is going to be difficult if we sign a brand new manager who's going to play in a different way with the team. Yeah. And that's a possibility we have to acknowledge and, you know, know is it's, it's out there, but with the way we've set up in the past, I think Musa might be a better fit for the team with how he can carry the ball and his progressive passing as well. I think really when it comes down, this decision comes down to who we're playing and what we need out of the game. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I, I, I really don't think you would go wrong either way. It's kind of like a, Anthony Robinson, Scally kind of situation. It just depends on what you need out of this match right in front of you. As we said earlier, too, I think that um, this this setup and everything is is good for the team, right? And I think as long as we're growing, getting better, and you know, everyone's building that chemistry, that's that's what we need. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right, Luke. So um, slide back to you. So we'll move on to my second one. This is. Another speculative buy, if I will say, at least here. I love long shots. I think that someone that I was really happy to see get a goal over the break was Brendan Aronson. Yeah, beauty, you know, baby. It's, it's, kind great of to see. Shock, it's kind of shocking. That was his first goal for a first team since match week three against Chelsea. Was that his... That was his last goal. He might have got one in the FA Cup. I could be wrong and miss that in my review, but imagine game week three, how long ago that was. If you want to look at the top squad from game week three in FPL, we had Rodrigo with a brace, Harrison with a goal Mm -hmm. and two assists. Um, Jesse Marsh still as coach. Odegaard's first first goal of the season, like all these crazy things, right? That was so long ago. Mm-hmm. He did score in the U twenty ones, so that that with Leeds back, I think it was about a month ago or so. So that that's something, but that is such a long time. And I think yeah. that this is the next part of his game that has to take a step up for him to evolve as a player. He's got to start getting those goal contributions and preferably goals. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. He's hit the woodwork three times this season. So he, he's in those positions. I just would like to see a little more aggression from him and him just be more direct. Yeah, I think I think, it, I think he, that feeds into a strength thing for him at this point in his career. It does. It Right. And I think that that could lead to him not playing as much, but with the injuries that Leeds sustained over the um, international break, he's going to get chances. He's going to be starting and he's going to be playing. So I hope he rides this wave and uses this goal to lead to more in the premier league. Yeah. I mean, if we can get BA to assume the form he had earlier in the year, like, I mean, he had almost a worldy against Liverpool in one of those first matches. Yeah. That ball right off the post. I mean, he, and honestly, there's probably like six or seven assists he's missed out because Patrick Bamford is literally a bum. Yeah, he's he's on the um, decline, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, the, that that's a different story. But he's had, like, it, it, the stats may not seem to prove that the beginning of this, like the probably the first two months of the season for him in the EPL, it could have been he could have been a stat leader in some in certain categories depending on if things would have played been. out in, yeah. in a perfect world, things could have played out to a way where he was up there. Yeah, and I agree with that. You know that that is definitely very reliable. If you look back at the data from earlier on mm-hmm. the season, his XA XGA um, chances created, all of those were you know top of the categories. Yeah. But uh, do you want to move on to your final buy option, Paul? Yeah, this is. Um, I was going for low-hanging fruit with this one, just because I feel like this player needs to be highlighted. Pepe's got to be, got to be right there, man. I mean, the his like that in the first game, that first header, great finish. I mean, caveat Granada once again, but he he looked. What was the? How do you score the second goal? I don't remember. Was it a? Um, I don't. I think it was a cross again. Yeah, I think it was a cross too. Withstanding that, 
I mean, and then subbing on and the the goal against El Salvador that is a perfect nine goal. Like yeah, that whenever, was whenever that happened. Me and Luke were talking, and we both decided that that like the strength, the speed, the the finish, like that that's what you want to see from elite goal scorers. Was that n- the Norwegian god Erling Holland out there? <laughs> some some would say it was. Oh no, this is a bold statement. I like. will retroactively pull that one back right yeah, now. Yeah, that, that was bold. But uh, Pepe, he looked really, especially. I mean. The U.S. needed something in the El Salvador game to kind of push them over the over Edge. that zero zero draw, and he was he, he was, was very he was good. awesome. I mean, scoring two minutes into his debut, and what what we're gonna see here is he's going back to his club team. What is it, FC Gorgon, something like that? It's, it's yeah, not, we I, I, we know I'm not good at pronouncing words here, but let's see if. What what they do because they're in a race to keep themselves from being relegated. I w- I would love to see Pepe contribute to that, keeping them up, and then getting a move away from Osberg, who absolute dumpster fire when he was there. Like just a terrible experience for him. Let's see him move past that, go forward. I really I was th- trying to think about this Luke, and I couldn't find a good one. So maybe you know where do you think would be a good fit for him? What league? What team? Do you have any ideas? Um, so he's been in the Bundesliga. That did not go well. Yeah. I feel like he could maybe now go back to the Bundesliga. I don't think I'd advise that. Maybe so, even Italy would be a good fit for him. It's like maybe it, like a mid table team. I honestly, it would be amazing, amazing to see him go to someone like Napoli and just learn for a year. Oh, that would be cool. That, like, that's a good, that's a good shout. If he's not playing, I'm still happy. Like he's training with elite elite players that are i mean they're probably going to ship them out this year but yeah um i mean that system and you know developing from where those players developed oh man that would be a dream move for me frankly that would be the ideal spot it it should be said too that whenever he his year in the bundesliga osberg was one of the worst teams and it's a miracle they stayed up he literally i watched a lot of those games he never had service Right, yeah, and I, I and think they, you know, they couldn't, a big difference. They couldn't control the ball. They couldn't do anything. Like I, I don't know how they managed to stay up. Yeah, so that that, so that yeah. is make a di- somewhere where he's going to be played the ball, um, maybe a high possession team, where you know even like a countering team, but places where he's going to get chances. That's what we want. You know, say. I I think this is kind of we already have a couple strikers there, but I think he would be a really good championship striker. And I th- at this point in his career, like I think obviously his ceiling is a lot higher than the championship. But to put him in a league where he deals with the phil- physicality, can develop, and be on like a top team in the championship, I think that wouldn't be a bad that, fit. That places him in a position to where he'll grow as a player and get better as long as he's getting that time. Yeah, it's just, I think at, at this point it's it's about the fit for him. Yeah, where he can be in a system where he just shines. 90 minutes a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Go ahead, Luke. Okay, so Another one? I'll keep it nice and short. Um, my final buy for this week for the USMNT is going to be CCV, Cameron Carter oh, Vickers. Oh, good, good idea. Yeah. I think that – so he has put in some amazing performances for Celtic. He's been good. He's been, he's been stable in their defense. His progressive ball playing has been incredible. He's beloved um, by Celtic fans. They they love him, and his his average match rating is seven point six five, which is <laughs> really really that's good. So impressive, right? And he, I mean, he's people from Celtic have made the comparison that he is their new Virgil Van Dyke. <laughs> like, tell me that coming from the what people where he played, that's a huge thing to say. Yeah. Do we see you a know, move in the future? That's my next point I was going to make. So Fabrizio Romano, the notorious journalist on Twitter who... The woge of the football world. Yes, he, what it would be, um, Fabrizio bombs, yeah. fab bombs, I don't know what you want to call it. Rizio bombs. <laughs> Rizio bombs. Rizio that's, bombs. That's, I like that. That's good. Um, but he tweeted out a little while ago, I am told some Premier League clubs are already exploring the possibility of going after CCV. Tottenham. Of course, he already knows Premier League football, so he could be a possibility in the summer. And in case you all don't know, he was playing at Tottenham for a while. Yeah. Um, and then Celtic finalized the buy option from him in 2022. 
um, over the summer. So maybe this was exactly what he needed. I don't think he's oh, going to exa- be going yeah. back to Tottenham or a top six club, but I mean, he could be a great shout for, you know, someone lower down the league, like Leeds would be a good place for him. I mean, why not just throw Good in God. another American? I honestly don't want to see that. I, think I mean, we know Leeds' center backs need to be upgraded, to put it nicely. Right. Think of somewhere where they're pretty leaky, right? I see maybe Bournemouth if they stay up, Notting and Forest. Forest would be good. Um, all, these, all these places where he could be a good fit and be getting 90 minutes a week. So something to keep an eye on over the summer once the season ends, and we'll see kind of where things go for them. So Yeah. I think that's good. That's a really good chat. Like I, it's a good one. All right. So real quick, I'm gonna run through. I was confused about the segment we were doing. Completely my fault. And so I had three cells of the week too, and I'm just gonna run through it. Real, just yeah. like Go bang, bang, it. bang. So number one was Sergino Dust. Right. Okay. Yeah. Basically, that, because a lot no, of stuff, contradictory to my point. Yeah. A okay. lot of stuff that Luke said. We're just things are just so uncertain with Dust right now. He has to find a club home if he wants to be. Honestly, he performs great for the U.S. when he plays for the U.S. Like he was, he was so good at the World Cup. He was. I thought yeah. he was gonna come off that, start playing once a, tw- however much for AC Milan, really kick off there, get a bye, and then have that be his permanent home. And it just hasn't worked for him. Which is something I hate to see because when Dest is playing at his best, he's so that was that rhyme, but he's so creative and hey. he's so good on the ball. That like he honestly offers a profile to the USMNT that we don't really have, even from our midfielders or attackers. Like he adds a flair, he adds an excitement, but he was also really a very good defender at the World Cup. He played really well. Yeah, he was very impressive. So it hurts me to say this, but he's got to find a club home. And what Luke said about him going to the Premier League, I absolutely hate that. I hate it with every fiber of my being. Tell me more. I don't think he has the physicality or strength to deal with like elite attackers in the prem. And yeah, I, I think, I think so an, a little thing here, side note, he could, he could function the premier league as a wing back. He could do that. If he has extra coverage from another center back, it's possible. He could be very successful, but I don't see a situation where like all the teams like Chelsea, Tottenham, everybody with the big wing back systems, which Tottenham could be changing because Conte is leaving. I I don't see like besides that without okay, a three, so one, three center backs. I don't a counterpoint to that. Right, look at City. Look at Arsenal. One of their favorite tactics now is to tuck in wing backs in the midfield. So you have but who, to who imagine are they, who are they tucking in though? Right. My point being, if you look at what teams do in the Premier League, they duplicate what every other top team that's winning does. So, right. so and I think Dest, with his technical ball. ability, his ball playing ability, could be someone that a team targets to have that fullback who can tuck in, play in the midfield, yeah. and even be progressive from that position. So yes, I I understand what you're saying. I agree with I agree with that. But Dest, to me, he can he doesn't really offer that profile of of a wing back or. Yeah, a fullback that can slide in the midfield because he's just too wasteful with the ball. Like, we know his quality on the ball, but he doesn't make the best decision at times. Do you agree with that? I I do. So I like think saying, that like comparing something. him to Zinchenko or Kyle Walker and all this stuff. Like, I I just don't think that he offers enough of a profile to do, play that role. Right, and I think it would be something that he'd have to build and work on over a significant course of time. Yeah, but Premier League teams are going to look at him and see, we can buy this guy now. His value is about as low as it's been in a long time. I have a great idea, Luke. Yes, I think the perfect landing place for him, which this ship may have sold at this point, is Dortmund. I knew you were going to say that. I it's, was literally about so, to say it. It's so perfect. They have the connection to Americans. Gio Reyna's there. They, like his ability to go forward, essentially he could be another Rafael Guerrero on the right. Like, yes, I mean, and the thing about Dortmund is we know they're going to concede goals. So, I mean, that's just part of it. Like, it, it's happening, but he would be so progressive and so good on the right side for them. I I, I want to manifest this till it happens. It would be a good move for him. I think he'd probably be starting, you know, maybe not immediately, but eventually he would be. I think that talent would win through, and it would be a good place for him to grow. I mean, yeah. Champions League football, right? Good environment to learn in. 
and competing for a title in the yeah. Bundesliga. So I like that. All right. So number two for my sell list is Daryl DK. And uh, that's just because I don't think he's over this camp. He didn't really do anything to raise his profile. And then number three is Musa because I think we kind of saw where his limitations are right now in club form. Sell Musa. It's not even a sell. It's just kind of like there's been a. You think dip his in price has dropped? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would never want to sell Musa. He is, first off, seems to be a great human being. Like his smell is infectious. Like it's awesome. It is. Yeah. But also, mm-hmm. as like. Like as a player, we know what he offers, and like I said, he may be one of our most promising prospects ever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I'm just a little worried about um, his career right now. I get that. I think he'll probably make a move in the summer, regardless. Yeah. Maybe a, with a, the potentially shown. Maybe close that chapter. Um, probably uh, move on to a new club. Maybe a Bundesliga side, higher table, or maybe like even Premier League. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, you want to wrap this one, Luke? Yeah, let's let's wrap it there and we'll do a short little snippet from FPL stuff. All right. Welcome back everyone. We're going to do a brief little segment here about some FPL information mm-hmm. um and kind of where we see our teams going for the upcoming major massive double game week 29. Oh, it's going to be a big one. <laughs> My season Do rides you this say week. that a lot, Paul? <laughs> Let's not go there, Luke. And we'll move on from there. But, you know. So, Double Game Week 29 is going to be a massive week for all FPL managers. Primarily, there's a lot at stake here. We're getting near the end of the season. And we also have to be worried about chip usage, um, who we're going to captain during this Double Game Week. And what transfers to make in, make out. So there's a lot at stake here. For yeah, everyone. we're going to do a brief little um, yeah. maybe five to ten minute segment on it. So, yeah, so we're going to miss some stuff, but it, we're just squeezing a lot of stuff in. So it yeah, is what it is. Let's just hit it real fast. So the team's doubling this week. Villa, Bournemouth, Brentford, Brighton, Chelsea, Leeds, Leicester, Liverpool, United, Newcastle, Forest, and West Ham. Yeah, so those, that's a massive amount of teams doubling. With some, honestly, not that juicy fixtures, which it's it's a it barren makes it a little land. difficult, right? Because we want to double as much as we can. I think we all have double game week fever, we but it's hard to pick specific teams that we think are going to perform well over two fixtures. Yeah, that's um, on it. If if you really analyze it and look at it, there's not one team besides probably Nottingham Forest that has a great run over the two games. Agreed, right? And I think. Some of these games we need to look at as one-leg fixtures, right? Yeah. You look at a certain matchup you really like, and then you also, you know, kind of say, bite the bullet for one. Maybe this one will go well as two in the second fixture. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation. For example, going on. Brighton is one. They've got a really good away matchup at Bournemouth, but then they play play Brentford before that. It is at home, so that yeah. there's something to be said for that. But Brentford is a tough team. You know they don't give up, don't concede too much. I don't usually, know. every time I have a Brentford defender or goalkeeper, they get up a yeah, stupid so goal. And guess what? I have a goalkeeper and a defender, so we can almost count this week on. So that means I should conceding. captain a Brighton asset, is what I'm hearing. Probably. I mean, you probably will. You probably captain March. He is on my bus team. Yes. Yeah. Do you, and Paul? Do you know what a bus team is? Do I need to explain? I will. I'll explain for Just anyone explain out there it. who doesn't yeah. know. A bus team is, and I stole this from Always Cheating, one of the better FPL podcasts I listen to. A bus team is the team that you pick ahead of the time before you make your decisions in the situation that you get hit by a bus. <laughs> so I, I didn't know what that meant for the longest time. I'd heard it used a couple of times and I oh, finally yeah, I heard I it used. So um, it's just kind of like your default go to squad in case something happens or you can't change your team. Good to know. Deadline, Thanks so. for sharing information. Yeah, so we we can throw that terminology. Let's hope in that there doesn't happen. Well. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think people want to get by a bus. So. Yeah, but I mean, you never know. You never know. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Somebody so, plans to get hit by a bus, Luke. Okay, so let's. No, they don't. But let's break down our teams really fast um, and kind of say, yeah. So I've got some issues with my team. <laughs> right now, I have. Read it off. I have nine doublers. Right, I'm not going to dive into each one. That's there's a lot there. We'll tweet out our teams near the deadline so everyone can see them. Awesome. Follow us on Instagram. We have an Instagram too. Yes, yes, definitely. The same do that. tag for Twitter. So, um, but top end twins. 
I have issues, right? I have Maddie Cash, who was injured for Poland, dun, dun, dun. who will not be back for at least three weeks, and I'm so upset by that. That was a good pickup. It really was. Until this happened. Until and then this I happened, have it was, Emerson it was Royale on my bench, who needs to go because his season's done. <laughs> and then I have Kai Havertz, who I'm probably not going to touch, but he has a yellow flag right now. I think with his fine. sickness that he picked up in Germany, I think he just probably wanted to be back in London and you know rest and recuperate. He missed his dog. His dog's super cute, by the he way. He is cute. So my considerations, right? I'm probably going to take out Matty Cash, Emerson Royale, and then maybe even Tony. So that would be going for a negative eight. I would not make a transfer the next week. I'd be rolling that. Actually, shit, and saying that, I'd be bringing Holland back in. So yeah, I'd be bringing someone in, and then maybe, uh, yeah, with with other options as well. It's a lot to break down. With. But some players I'm looking at for defenders since I probably need to bring in too. I'd bring in Mings, maybe, perhaps Shaw. Maybe even Aurier for Nottingham Forest. Ooh, talking right. about language there, dude. A little, a little bit of a stretch there, I think. Yeah. But, you know, a nice little differential. Pedro Poro for Tottenham. With the right wing backs being out, I think that that could be a big hit. And he's their only right wing back right now. Yeah, but, I mean, you're also not doubling on him, so. Right, and that's that's a good point. I think that, and then Estupian is someone that I'm looking at as well. He's quite, I mean, not. I, as an owner of Estupian, I don't know if I would would really count yeah, him to play I, at least on the first match back. He, he was someone I threw in there at the very end because I know a lot of people have talked about him, but I really don't think I'm going to go there. There's other options that would be good differentials. And so Estupian was actually on pins for Ecuador. Did you see that? I did see that, yeah, but like he won't be for Brighton. I mean, there's no way. Like My boy McAllister's on him, but. Yeah. So to wrap this up, my forward line. If I were to replace Tony, I'm looking at two people primarily. Looking at Isak and then looking at Brennan Johnson for Nottingham Forest. Brennan Johnson has a flag, just so you know. I know, and that's from the last match, so I think he should be fine going. I'll definitely be listening to team news. Okay. All this. So um, those are my ideas for now. So I'll pass it over to you, Paul. Um, kind of see what you're thinking. All right. So just to sum up real quick, my team is looking a lot better than Luke's right now, and I also have been planning for this week so what for a while so currently without any changes to my team i'm on i think one two three four i'm on 11 doubles right now which is good but we i want more doubles so i will be making changes and i've been davies who is flagged and he's probably not going to play so he's for sure out i'm thinking about taking a negative eight and bringing in two defenders and also bringing in should I say it? I, I feel like sometimes when I say stuff on this podcast, other people in our mini league hear it. That does not happen, but keep going. I don't know. We have a vast listening. But I mean, just you know, millions of people we're engaging with. So. Yeah, very true. So I am currently looking at, there's a team I have that probably is my favorite that I've assembled so far, which is probably going to change a lot, as we all know. Bringing in Luke Shaw, Serge Aurier, Mo Salah, and Evan Ferguson. I love the Ferguson shout. He's he scored. He scored for Ireland on his he debut. He did. He did. And I think get Danny Welbeck out of there. I've had him in my squad for a long time. I love the way he plays. I just wanted to move on, and moving from him to Havertz was a great idea. I got the mm-hmm. points I needed last week. It seems like so far away now, but Ferguson is a great shout. He's someone I'm considering for that forward spot as well. Yeah, the like we said, I think Force has the best two run of two games, and their defense probably has the best chance of getting clean sheets. I mean, I know, I think there's accounts that will probably tweet out clean sheet odds, all that stuff. So maybe look there. But Luke Shaw also has the ability to get us actual returns as a defender. And United could get a clean, clean sheet here or there somewhere in that run. Mm-hmm. Also, the Mo Salah shout, like I think in my mini league, he gives me a good differential. He has the ability to go nuclear. He does, yeah. So, does. I mean, the City matchup is interesting. Don't know if Mo Salah, if, if Liverpool's going to show up and lose 8-0 or win 8-0. Who knows? You don't so know what Liverpool you're going to get. But they do tend to show up They do show up big for big matches. Games. So, I mean, it also is coming off the international break. We'll see what happens. I mean, Mo Salah seem. I think, for me, he's a pretty good differential. Agreed. Agreed. And then yeah. Evan Ferguson. Who knows what will happen? Who knows? Paul going with a differential. What? Big differential Never guy. Never would have that happen. Big differential guy here. 
Yeah, no, Paul. Paul's definitely embraced the differential mentality. He's that's kind of how he's played the game since day one of this season. Yeah, especially since day one. That that was the time when it was. I messed up. A hundred percent heart. No eye test at all. <laughs> there, yeah, there was. Yeah, there was I've, a lot I've of speculative choices bit, there. You know, we only we only played this game once. We might as well make the most of it, right, Luke? <laughs> I'm just going to decide not to comment on that one because I I'm think I could poke holes in a lot of that. So kidding. We'll play this is a great time. point for us to conclude the podcast. I think. I agree. I think we've been we've and been we've been going at it for a while USMNT, now. So talking a lot of FPL. We'll um, wrap here um, as usual. Everybody, thanks for listening, um, USMNT fans. We have a bright future ahead. I'm super excited for it. If anybody ever wants to engage, I love snarkily commenting on usmnt accounts other things and just you know honestly we're always here for whatever people want to talk about whether it's fpl which is what we usually talk about usmnt whatever it is engage with us on instagram twitter we're there we're always around to talk i also have YouTube some too. i want to pose a question to you all you know tweet at us and let us know who you think operates our twitter feed based upon our personalities it's you know let's see what you think yeah and we'll reveal it next podcast. Yes, we shall. So, da-na-na-na. all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Have a good week. Bye.